Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your guest host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. In today's episode, we're joined by Don Robertson, Executive Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer at Northwestern Mutual, a Fortune 100 financial services company and the largest provider of life insurance in the U.S. Don joined Northwestern Mutual in 2018 and leads their employee experience, developing and driving the employee value proposition and people strategy for over 8,000 employees and 20,000 field members. Prior to joining Northwestern Mutual, Don held senior HR leadership roles and transformative roles with Fortune 50 companies, including 14 years at Hewlett-Packard, which culminated in him being Senior Vice President of HR Enterprise Services and leading a team of 300-plus HR professionals responsible for the HR matters of a global workforce of over 150,000 employees. Needless to say, Don brings extensive experience that spans geographic and cultural borders with a deep understanding of building a truly transformative employee experience. We're excited to have Don on today to talk about really being a leader in the HR space. So without further ado, let's welcome him in. Don, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me today. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for carving out some time. So I gave a quick background to our audience, but as we like to do with any new guests of the HR Works Podcast, can you walk us through your career path a bit and share what led you to pursuing a career in human resources? That's always a great question for me because I'm, I'm probably not your classic uh, CHRO in terms of my background. Um, I spent the first, uh, I guess, about 18 years of my career in business roles, really. And um, I'm a CPA by background. I I started in finance and spent a number of years in finance and then general management and then ultimately sales. Um, I wouldn't say I necessarily pursued a career in, in HR. It kind of found me. Um, and uh, I, at one point in Hewlett Packard, when I was uh, leading a sales organization, um, they asked me to, to take on the role, responsibility of sales development. And uh, that ultimately became part of HR. And I ended up staying into the function and really reshaped the function of HR at HP. And I liked it. Um, I, you know, I, I Throughout my career, I always had a strong affiliation for people and people-related items. HR had reported to me a few times when I was a controller and a CFO. So, um, you know, what what's, I think really led me to it to ultimately staying is because I think the function is really all about uh, helping make sure the business is going to achieve its objectives. And having a business background really, I think, enables that for me to be a lot more uh, robust and powerful than I think if I hadn't spent any time in the business side. Yeah, that's a great perspective. Thanks for sharing that as well, Don. And I love asking that question off the top because no one has that tried and true path into human resources. Uh, We just recently had a guest on who, again, had that same accounting background and then moved on and, and eventually became chief people officer at Amplitude. That was Christina Earn. And again, just sharing that unique path as you mentioned, it tends to find you more than, than you find it in these roles in human resources and people operations. So yeah, thanks for sharing that story, Don. That's great. Well, and if I could just add one more thing, I mean, let's face it, this day and age, everything is about talent. You know, I mean, business leaders are not going to achieve what they're trying to achieve without the talent. And so having a having that business and having that HR kind of a lens to me just really it makes it a lot, a lot of fun to, to be in this role, too. Yeah, certainly. You understand talent from a different perspective coming into human resources. It's a unique advantage that I think coming from uh, another field such as being a CPA uniquely prepares you for that role in human resources. So let me ask you this, Don, being a leader, being a C-suite member of the human resources community, how has the role of CHRO evolved over the past few years? 
Well, I can tell you from from my perspective, the, the role has evolved to be one where you really need to focus on creating an ecosystem and, a, and an ability to drive business outcomes. Um, you know, the things that used to be done in the function, whether it's just the, the basic things, paying people, hiring people, uh, you know, dealing with uh, all the benefits and everything, all that's kind of table stakes. And in fact, it's almost something that people just don't even pay any attention to. And I think the most powerful thing about the function today is really being at the forefront, working with the business and really helping the business achieve its objectives. So, you know, everything we do from a standpoint where we invest most of our dollars is really driven towards achieving kind of what I would call game changing type of experiences, whether it's driving a change in the way you do talent, talent management and succession planning, or how you retain your best and brightest, how you recruit your best and brightest, how you develop creating talent marketplaces, um, driving your DNI strategy. Because, uh, you know, effectively, if you don't have the kind of talent strategy that makes you a talent magnet, you're going to be at a disadvantage in the business the way that I, I think um, you wouldn't want to be. And so I, I think that the function is really the architect and really the catalyst for a lot of the, the talent strategies that you need to have to really be able to achieve the business objectives. Yeah, that is so well said. Thank you for that, Don. Talent is of the utmost importance, especially in this current marketplace. And there's no better time to be in HR than there is at the present uh, because you're involved in and affecting so much change within the organization. Well, it's all about the experience, right? So, I mean, one of the th we're all looking for the same kind of people. Let's face it. Everybody, you know, every, every place you turn, companies are transforming. They're trying to either transform their, the way they do business, the way their experience is for their clients. Everything is requiring you to get a, a, you know, a set of the type of talent that we're all looking for the same. And unlike years past, the, the people out there, it's a buyer's market. People have a lot of choice. The remote, the whole hybrid situation has really created and opened up an, a marketplace so that, you know, you don't have to have everybody sitting right next to you. And so as a result of that, you're competing for talent uh, in, in a global way. No longer is it just about ge geographical and proximity. So as a result, you better be a place that's going to really take a holistic view of how you help people build their careers and uh, not just be able to attract them, and but you got to be able to retain them. You got to be able to grow them. You got to be able to turn them into advocates so that they ultimately are bringing in their friends. And so it's very much a focus on how do you create the type of experience that makes you the, the employer of choice. Yeah, I would imagine as CHRO, you're, again, you're thinking of where the business can grow, optimizing opportunities for the business to grow, but then also looking at just how the business will go moving forward. I, I would think over the last few years, especially as the decision to go into a hybrid distributed workforce really comes to the, the HR team as well as the leadership team within organizations to decide a path going forward. What was your involvement in that over the past few years? Again, having joined Northwestern Mutual in 2018, you were there during the pandemic shutdown of 2020 and just the shift to a fully remote era, assuming you guys did so, and then yep. uh, moving out of that. How was that experience, again, from, from the CHRO position? Well, I was responsible for it. So I was responsible for ultimately making the decision and recommending to, to my senior leadership team that we would go fully remote because obviously from our, you know, for us, it was all about safety, being able to deliver for our policy owners, but also creating a safe environment for our right. employees. So it became very clear that at that time that we, we needed to give people a chance to go and be safe. Um, and so, you know, that was a, an amazing uh, challenge for us. And we did very well. In fact, you know, as a, just a proof point, we had the greatest year in our company's history in 2021. 
That's great. You know, and so obviously we were able to demonstrate that we could work in that environment. Having said that, a big part of our culture is very much relationship based and it's very much based on, you know, the ability to work across and work collaboratively and everything else. So we didn't want to become a company that was just going to be a fully remote and, and 100% of the time for eternity, like a lot of other companies. And we didn't want to come out with a lot of proclamations. Like you saw a lot of companies, hey, we're all we're going to go fully remote. Well, no, now we're going to bring everybody back. Well, no, now we're going to go this. We were more deliberate about it. You know, we didn't feel the need to try to win the press. We right. felt the need to think about what's best for our employees and what's best for for our policy owners. And so we made decisions based on that, you know, and from a business standpoint, balanced with uh, safety for our employees. And then over the last year or so, we've been gradually bringing people back, but in a, in a what I would call in a, in a pretty thoughtful way. So some types of positions, it makes a lot more sense for the person to be in the office all the time and other positions, it's not as necessary. So we've allowed each business area to make decisions that made sense for them, balancing the need of the people as well as the, the marketplace and what it's going to require. Like I, I say all the time at the senior leader level, hey, we can want one thing, but the market's going to kind of tell us too. Um, and so we've been very, I would say, thoughtful and, and uh, methodical about how we've made those decisions. And we've done it very much based on a balance of the business need and the individual need, trying to find the right balance so that we can recruit the people we need as well as uh, deliver. Yeah, being strategic, being self-aware, understanding what your strengths are, what your employee-based strengths are, what works best for the business, and finding the right fit within that. I think companies are still understanding and figuring out what their best fit is, even going into 2023. Thank you for sharing that one, Don. That's great. So let me ask, have the expectations and requirements of the overall HR team changed within organizations over the past few years? Well, I mean, I think that um, I think that HR, it's, it's imperative that they have a relationship with their business leaders, that their business leaders have a trust in them to be able to be their advisor and their counsel for how they're doing things as it related to, uh, from a talent standpoint, from a, from a personnel standpoint, from a culture standpoint, from an experience standpoint. So I think the you know I think there's there's different ways of looking at that. Obviously, the fundamental things that the function has to do that are foundational haven't really changed. Although we need to, you know, there's a lot of focus on making those things more efficient. Because one of the things that I think the function has to continually do is be the change agents and the architects and catalysts for change, for transformation from the from the people side. And therefore, you re it requires investments that need to be made. Like, you know, if you want to ultimately drive a great DNI strategy, you have to rethink the way you recruit. You have to rethink the way you uh, you you uh, promote and how you engage that talent. It isn't a case where you're trying to limit some uh, one population's opportunities. You're trying to create an opportunity for a whole different set of populations that you haven't been connecting with before. So I think um, it's just much more intimate. You know, like, for example, here we've taken a strategy where you know, because we're not 150,000 people scattered all over the world, we do a lot more intimate kind of connections with our employees. I, I think that, you know, we'll do lots of small groups, we'll do lots of discussions. So we, we, we engage our employees in a way that I think is very different. And it's because you can't town hall your way to stay to change. You can't uh, email your way to change. You can't, um, you know, do it in a, you, you have to do it more, I think, in a, from a gorilla, from a day to day to really connect with your people in a way that I think is different. And I, I think historically HR has been much more of a kind of a process driver and a lot less of a, of an, of, of really, you know, the relationship driver. And I think we're doing a lot more to really get connected at the ground level with the business and, 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 and connect with people in a very different way. 
Right. I mean, corporate culture has been brought to the forefront, uh, yeah. but creating that culture is different in a distributed, remote, hybrid era than it could have been being in an office when you can really get a sense of what your cultural identity is. And the HR team really has to get creative in thinking of ways to establish that culture. As you said, you can't just town hall your way to corporate culture. It's got to be boots on the ground and a guerrilla approach and really being intimate and intentional with your people. Intentional is a key word. So, I mean, I, I'm glad you said that word, Josh, because it's really, that's the key word. Um, you know, intentional is going to drive the actions. The more, in, you know, you have to really understand what you're intentionally trying to do. And then therefore the ecosystem you create has got to be really reinforcing the intention and, and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. Even with DNI strategy, you need to be able to put things into practice. You can't just talk about what you want to achieve as with any piece of the business, but especially in the human resources teams, you want to improve retention. You want to improve corporate culture. You want to improve your diversity. Okay. But what are you going to do about it? How are you actually going to, yeah. to create those results? You got to put it into practice. Yeah. I mean, your tact, the things you do tactically, one of the simplest things we did when we um, were, you know, by the way, our, our, when I joined the company, our people of color number was about 10%, 10, 11%. And now it's, it's around 30. Wow. So, I mean, and our, our women were on about a six-year trend of going down every year. And now we're on a five-year trend of going up each of the years. And, and you may say, wow, how did you guys do that, right? And, and one of the simplest things we did is just start to, to, to look at all the hiring we were doing and just be much more thoughtful and planful and, 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 you know, require, and, and require slates. You know, it's not that we said you couldn't hire a certain person, but we just wanted to make sure that we were doing a better job of identifying who were, the, who were the other people that may be a possibility for that role? And just getting people's mindset to be thinking differently. Because we, we, listen, we all, you know, to, we all have a tendency to, to pick the people that are around us the most and that we're most comfortable with. But all of a sudden, you know, if you expand the horizon of who's possibly out there, it's incredible how people will embrace that. It's not because we don't want to do it. It's because we have to break the patterns of behavior that we've all kind of, kind of mindlessly fall into. Yeah, it's a bit of forcing yourself into discomfort, right? Into trying something new. Yeah, a little bit. And certainly as HR teams, being the advocate for that within an organization, whether it's embracing new work styles or again, embracing a new approach to hiring or just embracing new approaches overall to the business. Well, one thing you, you mentioned hybrid too. I mean, people somehow associate proximity with connectedness and, 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 and relationship. Proximity doesn't equal relationship connectedness, you know, and you can connect with people. You and I are looking at each other on a screen, but yet we feel like, I feel like I'm connect, we're connecting here, right? You don't have to be in the same room to connect with somebody. I have people that have worked for me at five companies that I've never lived in the same city. Um, but I have a very close relationship with them. I, you know, so your word about int your intentional word is really critical to that because if you intentionally make the effort to connect with people, you're going to build a relationship with them that will create stickiness, that will create, you know, authentic, uh, you know, and sincere relationships. That's going to be much more powerful than just because you run into somebody at the coffee machine if you don't actually connect with them. And, and in fact, you know, it's, it's, it's even more powerful because you have to make more of an effort to do it. Right. Right. You don't just happen to be running into somebody in the break room. Like Correct. you're consciously reaching out, setting up that time, having those meetings, creating a relationship with intent. And, and that does really just build deeper bonds that we're finding. It does. And ultimately that leads to a level of trust with your employees that creates goodwill so that they're going to 
oftentimes, even when they don't have all the context, be much more likely to trust you than uh, than if they, you know, than you know, as people when they don't have all the information have the tendency to, especially this day and age, tend to fill it in with things that may, you may not want them to be thinking. Right. And so, the more trust and 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 faith that they can build with your employees, the more that they're likely to. Uh, to, I think, be patient and understanding. And, and frankly, the more approachable you are as well. I mean, one of the things that we do a lot of at my level, senior leaders, we meet in small groups with people all the time. So we break down those barriers of hierarchy so people don't feel like they can't come and talk to us. Because, you know, that the other thing you want to do is create a culture where people are telling you what they're thinking their feeling, what they need. That doesn't mean you're going to give them everything they want, but if you have a better, it's amazing how somebody, when I joined here said, well, what do you think we need to do about this? I said, well, why don't we go meet with our people and talk to them and find out? Right. Create some fluid feedback. I mean, we've gone from 40% engagement five years ago to 88% engagement across the company. And it's almost in every area. And if I listed for you all the things that we did to accomplish that, it would seem like a lot, but I can tell you that at the, at the at the base of it is just simply just talk to people, get to know them, find out what they value. Um, and it, again, that doesn't mean you give them everything, but when people think you're actually listening to them and you're trying and you care, they're going to be a lot more willing to engage and lean in. Sure. And just feel invested, right? Like you care about their well-being, their experience as employees. That's huge. That's a great way to look at it, Don. Uh, so what are some ways that HR teams can provide the most impact to their organizations in 2023? Well, I think I think in 2023, it's a unique year. And I, I can tell you, um, and 2023, I think onward, we are probably for the first time in a long time entering an environment where I believe that you have to create a unique environment to keep and attract, to attract and keep your people. So I think one of the things we're trying to do is really start to create more of a balance in the way we look at our employees. And what I mean by that is most companies think of employees as assets to achieve an objective for a shareholder or a customer. I think it's critical that um, employee needs to feel like in that experience that they're gaining something too. Right. So I, I so you need to be much more intentional about making sure your employees are winning why the company is winning. And, 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 and that may sound simple, but that means you have to design your processes and systems, uh, you know, and how you do things so that the employee understands what they want to achieve in their career. They're getting the development of that. So while they're delivering for you, they're ultimately growing and developing so that they're, they're actually getting promoted and moving up. So they're winning while you're winning. And I, and I think today it happens predominantly haphazardly. And, you know, everybody takes care of their top 10 you know, top talent. But I'm talking about an ecosystem where every employee has an opportunity to, 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 to achieve their career growth, has a, as a manager that is their career coach that is helping them so that they're getting the skills and capabilities so that they can move up in the organization. And so while they're delivering, they're growing and developing and expanding. And I think that to me, if you do that, you will be really unique because I, I don't think many companies do. And I think HR can play a really critical role in driving that. That is so great. That idea of upskilling, right? Creating a path and an environment that really shows care for the employee and that you're looking for yep. their full career and how do you build them as, as better professionals, um, setting them up for their future, not just their current role and helping them be successful in what they're Correct. they're currently hired to do, but where they want to go and putting them in that position. That's a great way for HR teams to really impact their organization at even, as you mentioned, a guerrilla level and setting them up for success. That's huge. So with that upskilling in mind, Don, what are some skills and experiences that 
can maybe help prepare HR leaders to take that next step into becoming C-suite members of an organization like yourself? What are some of those key skills yeah. and maybe soft skills that can be focused on? Well, I mean, I, I've, I think we talked about it at the beginning to some extent, um, getting some business, whether it's business exposure, business experience. Um, I tell my team all the time, business people don't talk like HR people. They talk like business people. So, you know, the more that you could really spend time with the business, in the business, understanding the business, the more that I think you're going to have an ability to articulate to the business, how do you translate HR capabilities to what the business ultimately needs? Um, and so I think, you know, spending time with the business either. So if you're an HR person today and you're a center of expertise or you're a comp person or you're a recruiter or you're a, a, a you know, talent manager or you're a um, DNI person, get, get some time in an HR role and a business role so that you can spend some time because you, you really don't fully understand what it means to be in the business if you're not sitting with a business leader trying to drive business change. If you're a, if you're a business partner, make sure you get some experience in one of the center of expertise because you need to have domain capabilities um, in the, uh, to be able to ultimately be a CHRO. Like I can go deep on talent. I can go deep on TA. I can go deep on comp, but I also can go sit with a business leader and talk about a business challenge and articulate for them. Well, here's what I think we need to do from a talent strategy standpoint, but you also need to understand operationally what it takes to deliver this stuff. So the first thing I would tell most HR folks out there is make sure you're spending time in each of the areas. Don't just spend time in one. Um, but, you know, but but also getting more experience from the business side and getting, you know, and actually, even if you could get a rotation in the business, that's always a great thing to do as well. But I will tell you, Josh, the number one thing that people need to really develop and hone is their, your ability to really understand talent strategies. Um, I actually re recently wrote a white paper that's uh, published in my LinkedIn for the street talking about why do why do the, the, the financial community, why do they never ask companies what their talent strategy is? When you think about it, we ask them all the time, their financials and their cash flows and their income statements. But the single biggest thing that'll tell you whether a company is going to be successful is do they have the right talent? Um, and so having the ability to understand how much of a, how a talent strategy can really impact the, the business. So I would say that's a big, big piece of it. Yeah, that's huge. Right. It's easy to say everyone wants the most talented employees entering the marketplace or in the marketplace. How do you get them? Yeah. What's what's going to set you apart? What's bringing them in versus the competition and, and having that approach? Thank you for sharing that, Don. I really loved, again, what you were looking at with understanding the business. Part of the podcast that becomes a standard question toward the end, we'll ask you eventually is what's the best piece of business advice you could pass along to our audience? And one of our former guests had shared, just know the business, know what you work on and understand the business. That's right. And it kind of speaks to that, right? Of understand how you're generating revenue, understand what your operation looks like from front to back. And that will make you more successful within your current role and help you be able to impact the most amount of people within your organization. Yeah. I mean, that, without question, um, I tell this to my team all the time. How are you going to be recruiting for an area if you don't understand what they're trying to get? If you don't understand technologically yeah. what they're trying to do, how do you know what a you know, great talent is? If you're an HR business partner and you don't understand what the business strategy is really trying to accomplish, how do you help them define an HR strategy to accomplish that? So, you know, unfortunately, our function is one that probably doesn't get a lot of the credit that it deserves. And I tell my team all the time, hey, you pick this function. So understand you're not going to be the person that's standing on the stage getting all the accolades. But I will say there's nothing, and I tell this to my team all the time, there's nothing that gets done that you don't play a role in. So the satisfaction you should get is knowing that this doesn't happen without you, whether you get the accomplishment or not. And I can tell you that has a huge impact. Um, 
So, um, you know, knowing the business is, is, is front and foremost. I don't know, first and foremost, I don't know any HR person that has really had a great experience at a company if they don't understand the business and have strong business relationships. Yeah, that seems like, again, the best place to start and probably a great step for onboarding many employees into a business, especially in the HR function, is just to understand, understand your workforce, understand what you're doing from a larger scale. So with that, Don, I mean, we're looking at the constant battle for an engaged workforce going mm-hmm. into 2023. That really has become such a, a, of the utmost importance for many organizations. What's one thing that you're seeing most HR teams are missing when they're trying to create an engaged workforce that really could help boost that corporate culture and create a universally energized workforce across all levels? Yeah, engagement's a tough one because, um, as you know, engagement is an outcome. It's not really an activity. You're trying to get engagement, but you have to do things to get it. Um, and I would say that probably the number one thing that we have done to, to gain uh, high engagement and to continue is to, is to stay very connected to your people. So you cannot communicate enough with your folks. Let me give you an example. I actually um, meet with probably 100 to 150 people a week wow. in, uh, in, in, you know, in groups of typically 20 to 30. So, you know, just having roundtables or, or Zoom sessions or masterclasses or one-on-ones, like when I do these one-on, when I do these masterclasses where I'll have like 20 or 30 people, I'll always invite them if they want, schedule a one-on-one with me anytime. It might take a month to get in to see me, but I'll spend 15 to 30 minutes. And you would be amazed at the amount of imp- impact as things like that have, because it demonstrates a level of concern and care for people that they just have not, they're not used to seeing. And, um, and if, and every one of my uh, leadership team does that, and and if uh, with my HR team, and in fact my business leaders do that with their teams, and that has that has such a profound impact. It gives people hope. It gives them connection. It gives them you know exposure. It gives them a, you know a, an ability to ask questions because we all know that there's always context and things that employees want to ask, but they're not going to necessarily ask at a town hall in front of fifteen hundred people. Right. Um, like you know we had some recent things that we did business wise. And I invited the last group, Hey, ask me the, you know, uh, th- I know, th- I know you guys have these three questions on your mind. Go ahead and ask. I'll, I'll answer. We're not taping this. We're just, it's just us. It's you know, I won't remember. It's okay. And you'd be amazed at the, um, the questions they'll ask. And the power of it is it gives you an ability to provide context that they can't get any other way. And right. you, and you, and you just build this, I think this connection and, and, you know, when I run into these people now, they'll walk up to me and they'll give me a hug and a meeting and stuff. And then people are like, Oh my God, you're hugging one of the senior leaders. And so it's like, you know, and I, you know, I don't think anything of it. They don't think anything of it. We do, we built that connection and I don't think you can, I don't think you can, you can substitute anything to get that level of connection. Yeah. You create honest relationships. I think that's huge as well. Where, where again, it's not something that's going out in a press release or going out in a, a public memo. You're giving honest feedback. And it's not scripted, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. not scripted. I mean, it's not. It's not scripted. It's not. There's no hidden agenda. There's no ulterior motive. The only reason I'm talking to them is to help them. Period. Yeah. Honestly, Don, that was the best thing to see come out of a lot of the moves to a fully remote workforce in the early um, stages of the 2020 shift. Was everybody was working from home and like figuring out how to use their Zoom or use yep. their their at home offices and dealing with those various challenges. We're all kind of on the same playing field. And, and that creates that same environment of, of, again, having a conversation, being able to ask those questions and get an honest answer. Yeah. Josh, one example is, um, and when we first went fully remote, 
we used to do kind of, I would say, stodgy town halls and with the leadership team. And then all of a sudden we were doing them fully remote and we're all at home and we're not, you know, we're dressed more casually. And in my case, I'd always have one or two of my dogs in the background. And, and, it, and it got to the point where, and it wasn't intentional at first, it just happened to be in the room with me. And then, and then we, we were using a, a, a Slack at the same time. We were, and people were like, hey, wait a minute, you know, get, get Don's dogs back. We want to see the dogs, you know, we don't, you know, and so you, you start to, re- they start to realize you're just right. people, you know, your kids are screaming in the background and your dog might walk across the screen. And so I think that did more to demonstrate to, to the employees that we're just regular people like them than anything we could have done. Yeah, that's so well said. So Don, if you had to look at just where the workplace is going in 2023 and beyond, where do you see it going? Where, where do you see the workplace evolving in the near future? Well, I think one of the things that I've noticed is it's more about what you're capable of and what you know versus what your title is and what your role is. And I think the I think we're becoming we're shifting away, you know, gradually from a bunch of hierarchy and 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 uh, and you know bureaucracy to more knowledge. And I think um, and I think as a result of that, um, you're we're going to have as an HR function, we're going to have to start to be much more skills based in the way we look at people rather than, you know, what your role is and what your title is. And I think um, that's going to be a key thing that we're going to be. In fact, we're trying to understand all the skills and capabilities of our people so we can start to create talent marketplaces and internal marketplaces and and start allowing people to to, to own their own career more and, and really be much more pow- influenced and powerful based on the skills and capabilities. Because ultimately what you want is a bunch of employees that have a lot of skill. Right. And, and not necessarily just because of their background. And, 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 and uh, so I think that's a big part of it. I think in terms of the way people work, I think we're still at a, a tipping point. I'm not sure. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think we're ever going back to where everybody's fully hundred percent in the office. I don't see that happening. Um, I think you're going to continue to have, uh, some kind of balanced hybrid. And I think we're going to have to learn as people how to connect with people in a way that's different than relying on proximity. Many companies were already doing this. When I was in HP, we were global, I mean, all the time. So this isn't necessarily a new thing, but the but the requirements of what it, people want the experience to be is new. I mean, people aren't going to, you know, they don't want to sit on a phone in a conference. You know, they want to connect in a Zoom. They want to be able to really feel like they're right there with the person. So I think that's going to continue, but I think the requirements are going to continue to get bigger. Um, and I think ultimately the next stage is really going to be, how do you co-create and innovate and think and, you know, think about things in a way today where we rely much more on walking to a whiteboard or much more, you know, kind of informal, how do we replicate that in a, in a hybrid way? And I still think we're working through that, but I think that's where we're headed. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Don. And I fully agree. It seems like we're still learning. It's still evolving. And then going into 2022, a lot of the conversations I was having with HR leaders tended to say, okay, this is the year we're going to figure it out. At the end of 2022, we're still taking shape. You're still seeing companies figuring out what their policy is going forward. And I think just being comfortable with knowing that things are still going to evolve is the right approach. Well, it's important that you don't make the mistake that a lot of companies have made and come out with proclamations or or, you know, or major statements, because, you know, we still don't know exactly what the post-pandemic world is going to look like. And, and regardless of what we don't know, that's going to look like employees' mindsets and attitudes and families and every, you know, like I told people all the other day, um, most people that even didn't think they'd like working in a hybrid way, you know, because they experienced it. Now they realize, wow, that's kind of cool. I kind of like it. And I think the traditional thinking 
that you can only do this in a in a in a, in, a, in person. I, I just think is is no longer the case. But you got to find the right balance. And I think over the next five five years or so, we're gonna we're gonna work through that. And you know, we'll probably have some things we do well, and we'll probably have some mistakes that are made. But the one thing I would say to, to anybody advice wise is don't go out there with major statements because I don't think any of us know exactly what it's going to look like. Yeah, that's a great way to wrap this one up, Don. But uh, again, thank you for sharing that great advice. So again, we're on with Don Robertson, Executive Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer at Northwestern Mutual. Don, what's the best piece of professional advice that you've received throughout your career that you've been willing to pass along to our audience of human resources and recruiting professionals? Think of it like paying it forward. So do you have anything that you've leaned on as a professional that's helped you that you could pay it forward to our audience? Yeah, probably one of the best pieces of professional advice I got I, I received was very early in my career. I had the I had the opportunity to work at GE with Jack Welsh. And I remember Jack once when we were in a management training program at Crotonville said, you know, stay close to what's going on. In other words, like if you put seven sweaters on and you go outside, somebody asks you what's the weather, you aren't necessarily gonna know because you have so many layers between you and the weather, you can't really feel it. And so you want to be careful not to have too much separation between you and what's going on, whether it's the amount of levels that you have in an organization, whether it's the how, how removed you are from a from a proximity or culture. Because if you don't have a sense of what's going on in the ground level, you you really aren't going to have an ability to kind of drive the to tr- drive the kind of change and things that you want. You won't have a good sense of what's going on. And so the best yeah. piece of advice I have is stay close to what's going on in the ground, no matter how high you are you are up in the organization, go spend time with the people that are on the ground level because they're going to tell you what's really going on. And that goes back to your approach you were mentioning of having smaller team meetings, meeting with 100 people in a week within smaller groups. It's a great way to keep your finger on the pulse of your organization and know what's going on and really be in tune. Yeah, I'm not guessing. I don't have to guess. They tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, look, Don, again, thank you for sharing that. Now, before we wrap, if you'd like to, please share anything you're excited about going on personally or professionally with Northwestern Mutual. Um, now's a chance to plug anything and maybe share a website to uh, to learn more. Go for it. Well, what's so fun about uh, what we're doing at Northwestern Mutual, and, and one of the most powerful things that I think we have at the company is our noble purpose. I spent you know, almost 40 years of my career now, and this is really the first company I've worked at where I feel like our purpose as a business is, is to really help people in their lives. And in our case, it's to help people be able to live their lives to the fullest by having financial plan and by having the ability of integrating their risk products with their wealth products. And so it ultimately gives people an ability to have a plan so they can live their lives and live it kind of anxiety free. And so that to me is what's so exciting because when, when I'm recruiting people and I'm bringing people in, the type of people, you know, we're a very mission-driven place. And so uh, I'm excited about that from the standpoint of what the company's doing for our, for our policy owners and for our, our clients. And, you know, NorthwesternMutual.com will certainly, you know, you go there, it'll, it'll, uh, it'll highlight all that for you. But what's great about it is we're really the only company out there trying to do that. You know, and the other thing that's been great about us is if, you, if you're a customer or policy owner of us, the persistence rates is like almost 100%. It's like the high nine, very high 90s. So, I mean, once you come with us, you stay with us. And and it's kind of the same thing what I, what I want to create for our employees. And that's what caused me to move from San Francisco Bay Area to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and to be part of this great company. That's great. You're building a culture of loyalty there at yep. Northwestern Mutual, which uh, again, starts at the ground floor. So again, Don Robertson, thank you for joining the HR Works podcast. Before we let you go though, this is one question we like to ask all of our guests and a great way to wrap up. And it's all about motivation. So you wake up in the morning, Don, and your feet hit the floor. What's the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day? 
Well, I'm a big workout guy. So the, uh, the biggest thing that gets me motivated in the morning is, uh, is getting a great workout in so that I can tackle the day, you know, but I'm, a, I'm very family oriented. So everything for me is about, you know, creating a better environment for my family and creating a better environment for my employees and staying healthy and, and, and staying uh, energetic is, is the number one thing that I try to focus on. I love it. And again, that's a great way to get your day started, knock out that workout. So again, Don Robertson, Executive Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer at Northwestern Mutual. Thanks for spending some time with us today on the HR Works podcast. Hope we can keep the conversation going. But again, uh, great speaking with you here today, Don. Thanks, Josh. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible. 